Welcome to the Squadcast. Hope you are having a great week so far. Uh, we have Sarah with us this morning. Hey, morning. And today uh, we are going to be unpacking some thoughts from James 3. Uh, in particular, we're going to be looking at Psalm 139 to, to help us process some of these ideas. And uh, we hope that in your squads or your small groups this week that you can wrestle with these things uh, and also provide space uh, for one another to maybe uh, unpack some of the stuff, be a little bit vulnerable and share uh, maybe some of the, the deep things of the heart with one another and pray through those things. And pointing one another to Jesus, because that is the goal. Yeah, uh, I guess uh, the big thing reading with James 3 yesterday was um, the sense that we need to be self-aware. Um, and Michael shared that 85% of people don't necessarily come into self-awareness for maturity. Uh, we've talked about the wall with critical journey, 85% never make it through the wall. And that's where our emotional and spiritual maturity all comes together and converges. 95% um, of us would call ourselves self-aware. Uh, but reality is only 10 to 15% of us are self-aware. So uh, look around the room. <laughs> that might not be you. And I know I've been really challenged with that. Um, yeah. I mean, the challenge there is is how do we know that yes. we're not self-aware when we're not self-aware? That's right. It requires self-awareness to realize we're not yeah. self-aware. And so I guess this is where discipleship comes into play, like genuine discipleship, not attending a program, not just listening to a sermon. They are they can add to a discipleship journey, but discipleship uh, looks like vulnerability, accountability, sitting with one another in the hard stuff of life right. and finding Jesus in the middle of it. Yeah. And I know they've had times where I've sat with people that I consider to be mentors and, and maybe they've taken the soft way of, of trying to point something out to me and I've gone away and gone, oh, wait, they meant me with that story. Uh, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so we need we need some people that can give us some radical candor uh, yes. rather than ruinous empathy. That's right. And uh, generally we will f look for people uh, who will give us ruinous empathy because it's easier to sit in our comfort That's right. than for actually to allow someone to sit with us in the discomfort. Yeah. Um, and so discipleship is actually about um, walking with people that will tell you the truth in love at yeah. times, people that are trusted and people that will walk uh, the journey. Some people are good at pointing out the truth um, and have no intention of walking it out. That's right. But um, the, the people that we need around us are ones who will... Um, who will talk about the truth and love and then love us through That's right. um, leading us ultimately to Jesus. So um, the passage that I, I mentioned a couple of times yesterday was Psalm 139. Um, and I was talking about our response. What do we do in our response to, um, you know, James talked about um, the fact that um, underneath 
the the words that we use and, and he's, he's really pointing out that that our words can create an atmosphere of heaven or an atmosphere of hell um, and that our words can really direct the the path of our lives um, and he, then he says underneath all of that is is bitter envy and jealousy and and these motives that are actually driving um, our words and so he's kind of exposing uh, the insecurities of the heart there, and and so how do we respond to that? I I, um, I talked about the passage in Psalm 139 that says, "Search me, God, and know my heart; test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting." Certainly, it appears here that to not have that response is to uh, um, leave us outside of the way of everlasting, that there, that there is a fruitfulness in our life in this response. Do you have some thoughts on that, Sarah? Yeah, well, I know that for me it's been key, that verse, for years. Um, I guess on the self-awareness journey, but, um, yeah, I don't think we get to enjoy the fullness of life if we are in not necessarily denial, but just complete unawareness of yeah. what is going on internally. And if it's overflowing externally, that's going to impact our relationships, it's going to impact our work. Um, yeah, we're not living the fullness that God's got for us. Yeah, yeah. And and so, um, I mean, James certainly says that, that we could deny mm. that, that these things even exist and, and live in that, that sense of denial. Yeah, um, yeah and, and so, I mean... Sometimes it's helpful to point out some some things uh, that are evidences of a lack of uh, maturity, emotional maturity, spiritual maturity, um, and we talked about some of those yesterday. Um, but also some some other things that I've been reflecting on is like um, whether how easy is it for us to be offended is a really big one. Um, someone once said to me the quickest way to spot a mature Christian is that they won't be offended. Mm. Um, and so, you know, that, that, um, if we're, if we're quick to be offended, then it's probably, um, there's probably, you know, some heart stuff that needs, um, to be, um, opened up and let the great physician yeah. do some surgery. Um, you know, and, and there's, you know, other evidences of that as well. I think peace in relationships is a really big one. If we're finding that there's always turmoil around our relationships, you know, friendships and, uh, teammates, work colleagues, uh, you know, sibling relationships—all of those things. If there's if there's turmoil and unrest in those relationships, um, you know, that's a, a, a potentially another evidence of yeah. um, some emotional unhealth. So I think it would be really helpful for us to read um, this whole psalm, Psalm 139, and so we can really get the context of, us, of it, because it's quite an interesting psalm. It's a really beautiful psalm, very poetic, and some some beautiful thoughts about God knowing us deeply and all of that sort of stuff. And then the, in the middle of it is, is three, uh, three or four crazy verses, <laughs> um, which seems so out of step of the whole, st- whole psalm. And so I think it's worthwhile to have a look at it and see if we can unpack that. All right, so Psalm 139. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. 
Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depth of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You may have picked up on the verses that I was talking about there in 19 um, to 22 that just um, seem to be right out of um, the flow of the psalm. And um, I think it's worthwhile talking about that. Yeah. Um, especially in the context of Jesus' teaching that we are to love our enemies. And here we have David clearly saying, um, I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. And, um, and so what do we do with that? What do we do with that? What do, what do you think, Sarah? Do you have any thoughts? Um, well, yeah, I guess uh, for me it's, it's recognising, I guess it's we're against not uh, flesh and blood, uh, and often, um, so for me recently I had a situation in a, in a group in a community I'm a part of where something was said, uh, and I ended up, I had rage, I had rage, um, I was really angry, it was the first time I felt like I didn't belong in this group, um, felt like someone had come in and changed the culture, um, and I was really not happy about it, um, but I had to stop and, and look at myself, um, because I guess there was an enemy, but actually for me it turned out it was internal. It was my own insecurity. I had envy. I had jealousy. Um, I was worried that something uh, that I loved was going to be taken away with the culture of the group. Um, I was envious of someone who was everything I am not, um, and so I was really challenged. And I guess like David, it, it was 
I, I came to a place where I was like, okay, God, now you can search me. <laughs> I've got it all out of my system. We need right. to, I need to repent of, of how I've spoken, even just at home, um, in my alone uh, about this person because uh, they're not the enemy um, in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, thanks for sharing that story. Um, I think the thing that I love about the Psalms is that you really see the rawness of their humanity. Mm. Um, and there's quite a few Psalms like this where uh, all of the emotions are are right there. That's right. And um, and what we are invited into is, um, in this particular psalm, which is written by David, we are invited into his wrestling, his questioning, his doubts, his uh, his emotions, um, but we're also invited into how he's processing them. That's right. Um, and... And so the psalm starts with this idea that God knows everything about me, and he, you know, it's this beautiful poetry that he weaves together about God knowing the depth of our hearts. You know, there's nowhere we can run from Him, and then all of a sudden, these emotions come out where uh, he's angry, and he, these people, are, why are, why is there wickedness in the earth, and why, you know, he has all these questions around that, and he's, and he's letting his anger, laying it bare before God, really, and then his response is, search my heart, God, right. you know, it's almost like he's saying, you know everything about me, but there are parts that I've been trying to keep hidden. That's right. And God, I need you to search my heart. If there be any wickedness in me, you know, I'll, I want you to heal that. And I, you know, because he's saying I want to walk in the way of everlasting. And and these this anger and all of that is actually is actually withholding that that way of everlasting from him. Mm. You know, when we when we think about our own lives, how we're processing uh, um, the the things that happen in our world, that sometimes can re- we can respond with anger or fear or um, envy, jealousy. You know, these things that James was talking about. Um, what is our response to those things? Is actually how we mature. Um, and I, I heard a really interesting thought recently from Paul Scanlon. Who who is, does a whole, if you're interested in growing in self awareness, look up Paul Scanlon. He has some great stuff on self awareness. Um, but his thought was this: is that um, that that friends make us comfortable, um, but enemies help us grow. And, and what he was saying is that we actually need enemies to grow. But it's how we respond to the perceived enemies is determines how we grow. Um, often uh, in our lives, we um, we will do something that's called triangulation, where we will have a perceived enemy, someone that that's hurt us, someone that someone that has wronged us. More often than not, they are just someone that's triggering hurt from our past, um, but they now become the enemy. They they are the one that are wrong. They are the one that have hurt us. Um, and, and sometimes they have done wrong. We're not disowning that. Sometimes they have done wrong. Sometimes they have hurt us, normally unintentionally, but they've, they've hurt us and it's triggered stuff from our past. 
Uh, and often what we do then is we look for a rescuer, someone that can rescue us from the perceived enemy, and we create a triangle of relational conflict and hurt and pain, and what inevitably happens is we often don't actually find healing in that process. Um, but but what David is doing here is he's he's identifying the anger and taking it to God right. and saying, search my heart. There's something in me that is causing me to react this way. Um, you know, and you look uh, in, in Luke where um, the disciples say to Jesus, you know, do, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and destroy these, these wicked people? Um, and Jesus turns to them and rebukes them and says, you, you don't know what spirit you're of. And, and often our response is like that when we have perceived enemies. And we don't see enemies as, um, or perceived enemies as opportunities for growth. That's right. Um, and I think that's actually really, really important that we do. It's like reframing the whole thing and helping us to see that um, what people are doing around us, 99% of the time unintentionally, that's hurting us, actually speaks often more about our own hurts and pains than it does about the other person. That's right. And that's what it means to be self-aware. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it's this whole, there's this idea, um, Peter Scazzaro, um, she is an emotionally healthy leader, <clears throat> this idea of your shadow, your shadow self, and um, it's, it's an old term that's been around for a long time. Um, I first discovered it, I think, 2018, and, and read about my shadow self, and, and, and was having a look at some of this stuff around my personality, and went, ah, yuck, this is disgusting, I'm out, and um, I didn't come back to it for quite some time. But he says that your shadow is the accumulation of untamed emotion, less than pure motives and thoughts, that while largely unconscious, strongly influence and shape your behaviours, it is the damaged, but mostly, the damaged but mostly hidden version of who you are. The shadow may erupt in various forms. Sometimes it reveals itself in sinful behaviours, such as judgmental perfectionism, outbursts of anger, jealousy, resentment, lust, greed or bitterness. Or it may reveal itself more subtly through a need to rescue others and be liked by people, a need to be noticed or an inability to stop working, a tendency towards isolation or rigidity. Aspects of the shadow may be sinful, but they may also simply be weaknesses or wounds. They tend to appear in the ways we try to protect ourselves from feeling vulnerable or exposed. Um, I know that for me, whenever I've had a strong reaction to something someone's done, it's usually because they've unintentionally bumped into a wound that um, I might have forgotten about because they haven't been bumped for a while. So there'll be an overreaction internally, and that's where I have to come back and say, Okay, God, search me. Yeah. And it's really vulnerable as well to say to God, something's yeah. going on, can you dig it out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, and this is what repentance mm. is. It's it's actually, um, you know, I, I guess uh, the, the thought here is God knows everything. He, he knows the wound is That's there. Right. <laughs> like, we, we can't hide from him anywhere. No. Uh, he knows the wound is here, but repentance is about us saying, God, I know you know this is already here, but you just want me to tell you about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and actually just bringing it to him and then allowing grace 
to do its work. That's right. Essentially, it, it really is it's the, it's the continual death of self. At each time we come to God in repentance, grace has its work and um, our old nature slowly um, becomes less and less relevant. Um, and, you know, our, our old nature is dead, but we are, we are giving life to it That's right. by holding on to these, these things that we, we thought were protecting us but are actually enslaving us. And, and this is the freedom that Christ is talking about. Yeah. You know, the freedom from the enslaving uh, mindsets, the enslaving uh, defense mechanisms that may have served us as children to, to keep us safe, but as adults they are actually enslaving us. That's right. And, and Jesus wants us free from that. I mean, it, not just so that we can be free. I mean, Jesus said that it was for freedom's sake that Christ set us free. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it was Jesus that said that. Paul, I believe. Um, but so there is this element that that freedom is the purpose. But there's also this element that we, we cannot, um, you know, as James is sort of pointing out, it, it, when we are not free from these things, inevitably we, we release hell. Yes. Instead of heaven. And right. and even if it's not for our sake, but for Christ's sake, you know, for his kingdom's sake, that we could be people that release the kingdom of heaven, the, the life and culture, the beauty of heaven uh, in everyday life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, the stream, was it? You can't have bitter and fresh water coming from the same stream. That's right, yeah. But water is going to contaminate the good. So, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, and I love the way James sort of puts it with the, you know, you can't sing praises to God in one moment and then turn around and curse others yeah. the next. Um, you know, um, I think in Isaiah, maybe Jesus said it as well, reflecting on Isaiah, but, you know, that whole idea of, of you know, you worship me with your lips and with your songs, but your hearts are far from me. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think um, if we could reframe that worship is not singing songs. I personally think the songs we sing are a reflection of our worship during the week. Mm. And, um, you know, we worship him in the way that we treat others. Yeah. You know, I didn't get to this bit on Sunday because I just sort of ran out of time, but this whole idea of, of you know, the, the law of love is to love others as Christ has loved us. Um, but the way that we love God is actually loving others. Yeah. Like, you know, whatever you do to the least of them, you've done to me. And so, you know, to really bring it home, when we when we curse others, we are cursing God. That's right. <laughs> That's literally what he was yeah. saying, you know. Like, when you judge others, you're judging God. When you, when you manipulate others, you're manipulating God. When you tear others down, you're tearing down God because you're actually tearing down the image of God. That's right. And, and, God, and Jesus clearly says... That to to worship me is to love others. This is how you show love to me is how you is evidence in the way that you love others, and that should, you know, um, I don't know if that doesn't bring us to repentance. I don't know yeah. what would you know <laughs> um, to change our minds about that.
and see that this is how we bring the kingdom of heaven and the life and the culture and the beauty of heaven every day. Yeah. That's good. We've got some questions for good. people listening. If they want to dig in a little bit deeper and maybe do some self-reflection with their small group or a squad or some safe people. Uh, so do you ever take time to process fear, anger, and sadness with God and others? Mm-hmm. Do you have an awareness of your wounds, your self-protectedness, and your weaknesses? When you are triggered, when you have an overreaction, rather than blaming others, can you ask, what from my past might be causing me to react so strongly to this situation or person? Are you able to be honest with yourself and a few significant others about the struggles, doubts, and hurts deep beneath the surface of your life? And do you take any time to ask others for feedback about how they experience you? Great. Yeah. Now, I think we can see from Psalm 139, like one of those questions was asking about, you know, about the anger. Can you, can you read that again, sorry? Sure can. Uh, so do you ever take time to process anger, fear, and yeah. sadness with God and others? Yeah, great. Yeah. And, and I think um, um, sometimes we can feel like we have to be good Christians, and to be a good Christian means that we can't have anger. That's right. Um, or we can't have fear or all of that. And so we suppress those emotions um, in, in the name of being a good Christian. Uh, the inevitable outcome of suppressing those emotions is that we're not good Christians. That's right. <laughs> you know, it's, it has the opposite effect. Um, the truth is that God is quite okay with those emotions. He just wants us to bring them to Him. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we see that with David. You know, Absolutely. Like, ah! All the emotions. Here it all is, God. Search my heart. But we've been fed the lie that uh, to be spiritually healthy, there is you, you're not showing emotion right like, yeah that, and that vulnerability is dangerous or weak or yeah there's this whole bunch of lies that we're building upon yeah yeah um, and i think even for our children our children need to be able to see that mum and dad can be vulnerable yeah when they've stuffed up or when they've been hurt or That's right um because i don't want my kids to to grow up thinking emotions are weak yeah yeah you have to be stoic to be strong yeah yeah it's not totally helpful. yeah and i mean we've heard lots of messages i've preached them faith over fear mm. you know what i mean um it's true, but you have to confront the fear. You know, you have to be able to sit in the mess of the fear to have the outcome of faith. You can't just, faith is not something that you can just like wake up one day and go, all right, I'm just going to be way more faithful today. It's like, that. no, no, we, we, it's actually, our faith is Jesus. Right. And bringing the fear to him will help us to overcome yeah. the fear. And he might not have, you know, instant answers. It's my frustration off with yeah. Jesus. He's quite happy to sit there with me for a while, and he's not rushing me up out of the dirt to, to move on sometimes. That's right, yeah, yeah. Because he wants maturity. Yeah. Yeah, that's ultimately what he's after is maturity. And, and so, um, you know, what did James say? You know, patience and, you know, um, perseverance. All of these things are what produce maturity, and, and you know, we don't like that. <laughs> yeah, it's not fun. No, no. But the life everlasting. Like, life yeah. everlasting. Yeah. That's on the other side. Yeah. 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 And it's it's worth the pain, it's worth the journey. Yeah. Great. Well, I hope this has been helpful for you today and 
we really encourage you to process this stuff in your squad, ask these questions together, wrestle with these things, and if stuff comes out, just sit with it. Friends, you don't need to have the answers for each other. Just pray, point one another to Jesus, and just sit with him with these things. We hope you have a really blessed week, and we look forward to seeing you again soon.